Across the world, new threats emerge. Man-apes prowl the forests of North America. Giant cephalopods entwine ships in the Pacific. Man-eating crocodiles gnash unsuspecting swimmers in Australia. But one bureau has you covered with the latest on monstrous shenanigans in your backyard. Tune in, gentle listeners, for breaking news fresh from the teletype. Listen closely, for your lives may depend on it. Turn up the volume. It's time for... The Monster Report! Dateline, April 2nd in the year 2022. Gerald Dabrowski, a monster hunter with nearly 40 years' experience, stopped by the Monster Report to give tips on hunting monsters as well as his background. I met Gerald Dabrowski at a little coffee shop near the Megler Bridge in Astoria, Oregon. He came to town on business and had a few hours to kill before he started to hunt. Gerald greeted me with a nod. Years of monster hunting had dug channels for crow's feet around his eyes. His hands had scars that crisscrossed his knuckles, and his left hand didn't have the last digit on his index finger. Dabrowski lifted a soup bowl-sized mug and slurped down about a third of the java. He said, have a seat. There's so much I have to tell you. Dabrowski grew up in Portage Park in Chicago. It's a Polish neighborhood on the northwest side. His parents migrated to the U.S. after World War II and just before the communists closed the borders. He said, My world changed when I was 16. A buddy, Tim Blazewski, and me were at Mount Olive Cemetery, drinking some beers one night. As we left, this big, hairy thing tackled Tim and took a chunk out of his shoulder. The beast was never seen again, but things started to happen to Tim. He grew four inches and put on 40 pounds of muscle. His wound also healed within a week and without a scar. Gerald said his parents were flabbergasted by all of this. None of them were over 5'8", and now their kid was 6'2 and built like a linebacker. Gerald dropped his head and shook it. Timmy changed a month later. His skin started to boil and it stretched and split. There was hair all over him. His teeth fell out and there were fangs, and I didn't know what to do. He came after me and I ran into my parents' garden shed, and Timmy ripped off those aluminum doors like they were nothing. He lunged at me and I put up some garden shears. The shears went straight through the boy's stomach and out his back. Gerald says, once he fell down to his knees, I took a hammer and smacked the claw into his forehead. Gerald stated that the police chalked it up to a teen on PCP. As for Gerald, the police said it was self-defense. No charges were brought. Gerald said, it was that night that put me on the path to monster hunting. Dabrowski met Ann Lofgren, his wife, while he was a student at the Illinois Institute of Technology. He studied mechanical engineering and she was working as the service desk librarian. Gerald says, I was smitten with her smarts. The couple eloped once Gerald finished his master's degree and landed his first job with United Airlines. But monster hunting started to get in the way of his life and career. Gerald missed his son's birth because he had to purge a coven of dark witches. Gerald says, 
I told Anne I went on a three-day bender because I was afraid to be a dad. But I had to kill those witches. If they had a chance to drop a hex on me, my family would never have peace. After a few too many missed birthdays, anniversaries, and getting fired for absenteeism, Anne took Robbie, his son, and left Gerald. Once the couple divorced, Robbie would come to Chicago and spend his summer break with his father. Gerald said, I never hunted when I had Robbie. He was much too precious to put at risk. I usually take on some questionable risks, but not with him. The sacrifices you make can gut you. When you commit to this job, you'll lose everything you love. It's better to set the terms yourself than let the monsters do it. Over our interview, Gerald gave a masterclass on what it takes to be a monster hunter. Here are the things he said you have to know and the skills you need to survive. Keep it local. Start close to home. Check out urban legends and reports of missing people. Some communities have a rash of disappearances over a few months. That's a good sign a monster has set up in town. In many cases, authorities will report animal attacks as the cause of death. See what you can find out by talking to the police or the reporter that covered the story. You need to know the real scoop. Understand weaknesses. This one is the most important. You've got to know the monster's weakness and you have to know your own. Not talking about how physically fragile people are. I'm talking about emotions and psychology. I once let a 13-year-old vampire get away. Poor kid had been turned no more than a month. Reminded me of my son. He seemed like he could handle it, and he fed on livestock and stayed away from his folks and friends. But he fell into a blood frenzy. Vamps need human blood, not cow blood. He ripped his parents' throats out and then slaughtered his soccer team. It really got to me when I had to chop off his head. From now on, I just kill vamps on sight. No remorse, no thinking of who they were before, no second-guessing. Just kill them. Become a trapper. Monsters move faster than you. Traps can help contain them so you don't get hurt. Learn about the monsters in your area. How do they hunt? What's their habitat? When do they hunt? How do they attack? Knowing this and their weaknesses will give you a better understanding of the trap to build. Find a buddy. A buddy doesn't mean another hunter. It's a pet. Dogs and cats can sense supernatural threats and warn you. With some monsters, Dog bites and cat scratches take longer to heal, and that lets me track them down easier. I once had a Doberman pincher that tore into a werewolf. It got away, but I found it the next day. It turned out to be the baker in town. When I went for some donuts the next morning, she had bandages on her forearms where Mercy had chewed on her. Easy to tag and bag after that. Develop a specialty. Pick a type of monster so you can better train. I know werewolf hunters, vamp hunters, and lake monster hunters. Don't expect to get good at hunting every type. Generalists tend to die sooner than specialists. No one ever said you had to hunt every kind of monster. As for me, I specialize in the infected, or a virus zombie, and werewolves. Training on werewolves will help with many other monsters out there. Lastly, expect to die. I'm surprised it lasted this long. If you accept that you'll probably die taking out a monster, you have more courage and take more risks. Things that other people wouldn't consider to save more lives. I used a pedophile to attract a group of infected, hung him upside down from a barn and cut his arm. 
That blood was like nectar to a bee. Once the zombies got inside, I locked them all in and burned it to the ground. Probably saved 50 people that night. You know, you never really get out of the monster hunting business. Something will get you in the end. You may be in the retirement home and your nurse is a vamp. It never ends until the monsters finally catch up with you. Gerald and I wrapped up our interview and shared some fly fishing tips. He doesn't come to the West Coast often. The Great Lakes region is the place where he does most of his business. I asked him why he came to Oregon. Gerald said, if you remember, I mentioned my son, Robbie. He got turned a few years ago, not into a vampire, but a werewolf. Dabrowski paused for a moment. He grimaced like he could imagine the moment the beast bit or slashed him. Gerald continued. He killed a family of three near Bend a couple of weeks ago. And now I'm hunting him. Thank you for listening to The Monster Report. Tune in every two weeks for more new episodes. If you like this episode, go to your favorite pod player and rate and review it. We'll see you again the week of April 9th with a report on mermaids. <laughs>